0: Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Performance Anxiety on Tour. This week we welcome Jay Aston of Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel. They're on tour, and Jay spent his day off speaking with me about his influences, touring with the Alarm in Modern English this summer, the Madden video game curse, and how they've been affected by the Universal Music Vault Fire. Follow Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel on social media, follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Our merchandise is at performanceanx.threadless.com, And here's a very mobile Jay Aston from Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel. Hey,
1: this is Jay Aston, Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel. You're listening to Performance Anxiety.
0: So uh, so you're currently on tour. I really do appreciate you uh, taking uh, time on one of your days off to talk with me.
1: Yeah, well, that's what we gotta do, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> we're on the we're we're on the we're on the move all the time. So yeah, it's uh, we appreciate, uh, you know, it's it's
0: uh, two way. Well, like I said, uh, you know, you guys are you guys are currently on tour with uh, the
1: the Lama Modern English. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's got to be a great show, man. That's that's like right up my alley. That's that's you know, when I was growing up, those you guys are the the bands I was listening to.
1: Yeah, it is, and we all get along well too. We're all different enough, you know. We're not—we uh, we, we offer a, a different color for everyone that comes to see us, and uh, yeah, it's, it's working out really well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's—I'm glad to hear. So often you hear when uh, you know you get a show that could be three headliners, they don't always yeah, yeah. get along so
1: well. <laughs> well, we're all older and wiser, you know, and yeah. some of us are better looking.
0: <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, all right. So uh, what I wanted to do is, is find out a little bit more about. You and where you guys, where you got to, or how you got to where you are now uh, with the band. Oh, wow. That's a long story. Well, that's that's what this whole show's about. I like getting some behind-the-scenes stories and and hearing some fun stuff that happened, you know, in the 30-some-odd years that you guys have been playing.
1: Doing it, right, yeah.
0: So you're originally from Wales, correct?
1: I'm from South Wales, yeah. Uh, We formed in, well, the original band was came up from Wales to London, yeah. Uh, And, you know, yeah, I just had this idea to get a a gig in London, get an agent, and get a record deal. And so I I made this plan, find a place to play where I knew it would be covered by the music press. And uh, weird enough, all those things happened really quickly. So I went up to London, found an agent, played this gig, got a record deal, and here we are.
0: Man, now, now, Uh, if I was reading this correctly, originally the band wasn't called Gene Loves Jezebel.
1: It was called Slavarian. The original lineup was called Slav Arian. It's a name I made up, just mixings. This kind of means kind of Welsh for good money, but I like the idea of Slav and Aryan. Always been an egalitarian enterprise, Gene Loves Jezebel, in my opinion. So that's why I try to make it.
0: How did you come up with Gene Loves Jezebel? Where did that come from?
1: Well, I went up to, as I said, we went up to London. I got a gig at a place called the ICA, which is on the mall in London. And that was the one gig in london at that time in the early early 80s 1980 which the music press used to cover even if you were unheard of if you got on that bill you'd be covered oh wow so i managed to get a job there and gave the tape to the guy put it on and they liked it and but we didn't have a name because we come up from wales Uh, the original drummer didn't want to travel up he was studying in college and so uh we thought we'd have a new name and they needed a They used to get a famous artist, in this case Joe Stalin, to do the poster that year. The theme was Big Brother or something. And uh, he wanted a name for the band. And I was like, ah, just trying to think what shall I do? Because all the bands at that time were very dark. There was like Bauhaus, Theatre of Hate, Killing Joke, all those kind of bands. And I was trying to think of something a bit more colorful. So I thought of three names, have love in there somewhere. And John Lennon's, John Lennon had just been shot. And he, the rock and roll album, I always liked that rock and roll album. One of the songs on there was Bebop Balluda by, by Gene Vincent. Yes. And I thought that represents rock and roll in its purest form. There's no fat in it. It just gets to the point and it's beautiful. And I wanted our band to be like that. So I thought Gene, and I was given the name Jezebel by a film student, basically, who just thought my name was Jezebel for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it was down to my Welsh accent. I was introduced as J.P. Aston or something, and he just heard it as Jezebel. Oh, wow. So, uh so that's fine, and so I thought, yeah, Gene, Gene loves me, so Gene loves Jezebel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and who, and who? Who were your influences when you guys started playing? It's, and the, oh, the, the band was started off as you and your brother, your twin brother, and then right. um, Ian Hudson, right?
1: Yeah, it was me, me and Hudson, uh, a drummer called Steve Snowy White. What uh, job was it? Jack? I can't remember his last name. Steve. Uh, and. I went a bass for my good, good friend of mine, Steve Bass, and we all came up to London. And two of them didn't make it all the way through, but yeah, and our influences with all bands have different influences. You know, I was mainly influenced by singers, to be honest, See, that's my main thing. I love singers. Uh, and that would be anyone from, you know, uh, anyone who's done anything original, and that can be from Bob Dylan to uh, Ian Curtis to, you know, Tim Buckley, and a million others. We just, uh, I mean, we're all at different influences and some of the, influences bands like Cannes or Neu from Germany and uh, all the way through to whatever was happening at that time, which would have been Pills, using the Banshees and The Cure and all those kind of bands at that time, too.
0: It's kind of, yeah, kind of the uh, darker bands.
1: Darker bands, but I've always loved melodies, so I, I like to sing a song, you know, so um, I remember Phil Spector's, the, the, the Runettes and all those bands influenced me a lot, too, and... Uh, Janice Chopper, anyone that could hold the team, I was into songs, you know, and that's why I like Dylan a lot you know, when I was growing up, and, uh, you know, t- tons of records, really. I liked Led Zeppelin when I was growing up a lot,
0: oh, okay. Beach
1: Boys, when I was a kid, Beach Boys was a massive influence on me, because Pet Sounds and stuff like that I loved as a kid, and obviously we had the Beatles, and tons Oh yeah. There's there was so much great music out there, the Bee Gees, tons of stuff, you
0: know? Oh, yeah, there really was, and and I could yeah. definitely hear some of that influence in the harmonies and all in, in Gene oh, Love Jezebel's yeah, music.
1: Time. We love, we love that. I mean, I love singing with James Stevenson the, on guitar because he, he naturally does a nice third or fifth, and I like the tone of his voice. Um, Peter Rizzo, Peter Buck Rizzo, plays bass, guitar, and sings keyboards with us too, and he does a lot of pre-production stuff for us. He's become a really good singer, and he, and he and he can actually do some of the difficult parts I have to sing. He does them, and people don't even know it's him singing, so it's great.
0: Oh wow! Uh,
1: so, uh, which is fantastic. So he's kind of we can. T- Before I'd have to sing something like Desire, I'd have to do all the vocals. Even Uh though the videos might look like other people are singing, it's actually me doing all the vocals.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Uh,
1: And so live, I'd I'd be doing all those parts, which is quite weird to do, but now I can mix it because i Pete and James sing and... uh, it's much better, and of course, these days a lot of the audience things too. So, yeah, <laughs> so,
0: I so. I noticed that I was looking up uh, some of the videos on YouTube of, of uh, this the tour that you're currently on. Some you know fans upload mm. videos during this show, and yeah. uh, I, I you got a lot of audience participation.
1: Yeah, well, there's melody. When well, there's melody. You can sing, you know, um, and those songs meant a lot to me when I wrote them, or to Peter me, or James when we wrote them, and even my brother on occasion, and um. You know and so it, it's wonderful that people have that connection to those songs you know it's wonderful and to make a new album like dancing to war i just been torn to someone or the album means so much to because they were in the northern california fires and they were listen to charmed life all the time as they're digging through the debris you know oh yeah we did we did a tour in germany and a couple that didn't, never heard of us before we played with the mission uk and they came up to me after and said, uh, how do you say goodbye to someone you love? They'd lost, they'd lost a child. Oh, wow. Uh, and how much that song meant to them. So to be able to write, and uh, I wrote that with Pete, to be able to write songs like that and have someone's talent as James Stevenson playing guitar in it, Tony Visconti, you know, obviously David Bowie, T-Rex doing strings. It's amazing. So we're um, an amazing part of, to be in this part of our life. We've lost so many friends and lovers and so much so much bad stuff is happening on the planet to be able to be creating i'm doing this today and you know 2019 in the summer and touring the usa is an amazing amazing feeling
0: one of the things that i really liked about watching the videos is your your interaction with the audience because you're you're very sharp. You've got a very good sense of humor, oh, and thank you. <laughs> and you're interacting with with the fans, inviting them to come up on stage and sing. <laughs> and and uh, it's it's really interesting. Has, has that always been the case with you guys?
1: Uh, oh well, when I well I've always had a sense of humor. Any well, singers are weird things, really. They've usually got really good senses of humor as most singers, I think. And uh, but when I started, no, I was when I first started, I was probably much shyer. And uh, probably didn't speak too much to the audience and probably a lot more mystique to what I was trying to put across. And as I've got older and wiser and not worry about what people think, how I dance or how I sing or anything, I, I'm freer. So um, I have a lot of fun with the audience. And uh, You know, there's some sharp-witted people out there who make me laugh. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm from a working-class background where banter is a big part of it. And you, you get good. It's, I'm from a large family.
0: Oh, gosh, you have yeah!
1: To, you, have to, you have to be quick on your feet, you know? <laughs> so, yeah,
0: your improv so, skills are sharp, I'll tell you that.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it's lucky because it's the, the time of the evening I'm awake that time. Of, yeah. in the morning I'm not
0: too sure <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so sharp. Yeah, so I'm getting you right at the right time tonight.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, when you first started playing music, how, how old were you? And did you start playing with, uh, you, were you and your brother immediately playing together?
1: No, my brother, I don't like to be mean, but he was not remotely interested in music until he was about 14 or 15. Okay. I was interested in music from the age of about five. Um, I can remember singing at five. I knew knowing I wanted to be a singer from a very, very young age. Uh, the, the, the school wanted me in the choir to sing in the choir. But my school was so tough, you'd get beaten up from being in the choir. So I didn't yeah. do it. And so, uh, unfortunately, but music and I wake up every day as a kid I'd always be singing melodies and uh, one of the most joyful days of my life was when I realized how good my range was I'd never you know I'd be listening to all these records like good vibrations the Beach Boys and things and, uh, and one day just uh, I'd sing sometimes to, to music some bands would make music and there'd be no vocals in there maybe they couldn't think of any parts and I would write sing parts along to that music and oh, I wow. just remember just hitting one note one day and think oh my god I can really sing <laughs> and I saw a if you listen to the earliest records, uh, the you can tell, but I'm, I'm, I can just hear that I'm obviously I can sing from the very from the beginning. The voice has always been there, you know. So uh, if you're upstairs on the first you know, tune am that's my song on the first album. i me been singing. Right. I'm totally, I'm, I'm fully contained, you know, which is amazing when I look back on it. So I was always very sure of myself as a singer. I'm very, very shy in many other ways, especially when I was younger, but I was never, I knew I could sing and I know I knew I could blow anyone away as a singer. So it was tough for me to be with my brother because, you know, I didn't like this, his voice. Ah, I okay. I didn't think he could sing, so it was, he had other qualities, but uh, I didn't like sitting with him and was just, I was trying to get to the microphone half the time and he'd be in my way <laughs> and if you if you watch any of those videos I move a lot around stage I need a yes. lot of space and I'd have someone there constantly looking for attention getting in my way basically which is an awful thing to say and I just we had to split and I said you know you do your your thing I'll do mine and good luck and off he went and uh you know he got a big record deal with Virgin Records he got all the breaks you could possibly get and then they worked out that uh, you know maybe he wasn't as quite as good as he thought he was. So we just carried on doing what we're doing.
0: So. I've I've seen that a lot with with uh, bands with brothers and like going back to Everly Brothers and then you know sure. Black Crowes and Oasis. Sure. Mm, sure. It's it's uh, but you hear a lot about how twins have this this uh, connection, but it sounds that's like maybe that's all bullshit. It's a myth.
1: <laughs> that's all let's save it for the you know the, save it for the, the, the talk show yeah that, uh, that's really, I, I feel no connection to him in that way I just think he's a very mean nasty person he's not he's not remo- we're not re- connected in any way at all everything he does I do the opposite I don't drink I don't smoke I don't do anything he does so, I, uh, I, I love people I don't jump on them and try to rip them off uh, and I don't talk behind the backs. If I got anything bad to say, it's right here on the radio for you to use. <laughs> it's
0: there you go. Or your podcast. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, I,
1: don't, I don't have to hear it secondhand or hear it from, you know, drunken, uh, you know, barrages that he has against me, I, the nonsense I hear when he talks about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish him happiness and health. He needs, needs both of those things. So. Um,
0: well, now, back in the early days... You, know, mm-hmm. you you were touring with uh, you know artists like uh, John Cale and and David Bowie.
1: Sure, right. Well, not they were in the well. The early days we worked with John Cale in New York, and we did a gig with him in in London. Okay. Uh, Bowie Bowie was the first gig we did as a four piece when my brother left. So um, we did a couple gigs with Bowie, which is awesome, obviously.
0: That, um, yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. So what was the question?
0: I guess I wanted to know what's. Did you, is there anything strange that that happens backstage? You know, any anything that uh, that, that surprised you when you're touring with with guys like Bowie or, or doing shows with with uh, well, somebody of the stature uh, of John Cale?
1: Well, most bands, especially in, the, in those earlier days, you keep yourselves to yourselves. To be honest, you're not really hanging out and having a cigarette together or a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and so...
0: And
1: so you know, uh, it's it's not touring in that sense. Even when we, when we toured with the New Order and the Bunnymen, which was a pre lalapalooza Lalapalooza, one.
0: Oh wow, yeah. Lala-palooza,
1: that uh, even with those guys, we didn't really uh, mix with them. Much as we'd like to mix, we we're very sociable. They were kind of into cocaine and all that kind of stuff, which just keeps you in your keeps you in your, uh, you know, in your hotel room and away from people in the dark right. corners of the clubs. You know, we we're very outgoing. You know, we like to dance and sing and hang out with girls. And, have fun, you know. So, we're a very different kind of band than that. So, uh, but uh, we've, we've traveled with bands before and had fun, though. lots of musicians and fun, but uh, not in those cases, no, not the most famous ones. You know? They've been very, um, well, it's tough, you know, listen, you got to remember they've got to stay up there, they're paranoid, you know, and yeah, a constant battle to stay famous and relevant. And it's uh, it's funny to watch really from the outside, but to them, <laughs> they spent to the day they die, trying to be, you know, the man in the star in the sky. You
0: know, it's yeah. really funny.
1: You know, it's sad, really. But um, that's what it's like. It's just trying to stay ahead. Yeah, try I mean, to stay, try to stay relevant.
0: And, and it's it's amazing what, what people will do to, to to stay relevant. Yeah, it's shocking, really. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, you you know you, you experience it firsthand, and you know, but mm. uh, yeah. I want to go back to uh, a live show that I saw. I've seen, I've seen a couple of live clips, and, and a few of them you mentioned Pittsburgh Steelers. So I was wondering if you're a sports right. fan.
1: I love team sports. Yeah, I do. I'm interested in all team sports. I'm fascinated to see any four, five, six, 7, 10, 15 players against 15, whatever it is. You know? Oh, wow. I, I do like it. I like the Steelers. I mean, my, the good thing about American football is. Um, i didn't know much about it when i first came over here i just didn't understand it like what's wide receiver you know yeah loose end tight end what's all that about <laughs> what's your dude you, you know all the moves they were making you know the the reverse whatever yeah <laughs> whatever.
0: going in motion and, uh, and... A lot
1: backfield emotion all that stuff I'm, what the hell are they talking about but i learned the rules from nintendo john madden
0: oh wow
1: so I, once I learned the rules, I thought, oh, my God, this is like, you know, this is, this is science and um, uh, also thuggery, you know. It's, yeah. it's, brut- it's brutal, and yet it's chess, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: So I, I loved it, you know. So uh, I, my first team I adopted was uh, because the Raiders were in L.A. at the time. So I, I adopted them as a team. But I, I don't support one team. But the Rams I followed recently because they moved to L.A. Yeah. And I've been in L.A. And, but um, I like the Steelers, and I a lot of a lot of I like a lot of different teams for different reasons. I'm a bit bored with um, New England winning everything.
0: Oh, and, yeah, um, I can understand
1: but, that. Uh, <laughs> but I like you know, it's, it's great. I mean sport is like theatre, isn't it? It's like music. It's it's exciting. It's uh, there's so many weird endings. You don't know what's going to happen. So many pivotal moments, and and so many. It's, it's, T- tragedies involved with it too I mean it's, it's 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 amazing so yeah I do like sport
0: yeah do you buy into the uh, John Madden curse at all where the uh, whoever's on the cover of the video game gets injured the next year
1: <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know that oh I, yeah it's yeah. a big thing <laughs> wow who's on it this year
0: uh I think. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes might be <laughs> He's oh, from the dear. Chiefs. <laughs> <He's
1: been worried. laughs>
0: yeah, oh, it's funny. It's yeah. it's a big thing that the uh, people people have refused to be on the cover of the video game because they're afraid that they're going oh, yeah. to get
1: career-ending injury. Well, there's a lot of superstition. Humans get naturally human superstitions, aren't they? You know. There wouldn't be uh, yeah. religion unless there was superstition, you know. I mean, this, that's a natural human thing to need something to believe in, you know.
0: Do you, so. <laughs> do you have any superstitions? You know, speaking of that, do
1: you have any uh, uh, superstitions? I think all humans do to some degree, but uh, do I do anything?
0: Uh, like when you before you go on stage, you have to eat something? No,
1: I don't do anything at all. No, nothing at all. Oh, that's cool. I'm too I'm too worried about my voice to, uh, to have superstitions. I just... Don't talk too much. That's why I tend to do these interviews on days off. You know.
0: That well. That makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that actually yeah. segues into a question I did have for you. You've been singing since the very early '80s professionally. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you keep your voice in shape?
1: Well, I used to smoke two great. packs of Mar- I used to, I used to, you. I used to uh, smoke two packs of Marlboros, Reds a day oh, wow. in the '80s and into the early '90s. So. Um, that wasn't very smart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and I used to drink too much wine, which wasn't very smart either. Oh, wow. Uh, but you know, so I just got rid of all those things, those things I was a slave to. I'm a slave to none of those things anymore. And uh, I mean, there was, there was a period I just stopped believing in, in doing music to be honest. That was probably that's why we were quiet for a while. And uh, I, just, I just got it back, you know. I just started loving singing again. I think, um, weird enough, I was in Atlanta Augusta actually staying, staying with a friend doing some recording and I heard a, a, a record by Suede it's going way back and I thought oh my oh, god yeah. that guy's actually that guy's actually singing and because it was a period of people going oh man I'm your man I love this I love that all that stuff yeah. with all the fun stuff happening it. and there's some good singers involved there obviously but a lot of it was a lot of you know bullshit front really oh yeah I but to hear someone sing I was like oh wow you, you can actually sing and that kind of woke me up so I kind of threw the cigarettes away and Went through this process of uh, just re- regaining my voice. I play guitar. I don't. I'm not, I not think I'm a very good guitar player, but I love playing. Okay. I i to playing, like, like Pete, Pete, like Rizzo, on bass is a great guitar player, and James is a great guitar player. But you know, I write songs. I strum a few chords, and uh, I like I like finger picking and, <laughs> and stuff. But uh, it's just the joy. You don't have to be uh, king of any instrument. Just just enjoy it. Strum a few chords. So much joy in music, in life, really. So, uh, my other joy is hiking and walking, which I walk 15, 20, 30 miles a day sometimes. If I oh, can. my gosh. So I just love being out there and, you know, I haven't got time to watch video games generally. That's why I wasn't so familiar with the John Madden. <laughs>
0: so you're not playing Madden football anymore.
1: <laughs> no, I always think I should be playing guitar or reading or be out there. I like being outdoors most of the time. So
0: uh let's see what were you doing between thornfield sessions and uh dance underwater
1: well well basically what happened around two, was it 2000 or 2003 i can't remember what basically happened um my mum died i lost my place in la um someone did something bad landlord thing um yeah. and my girlfriend left me um it's not a bad run and then all these leads my brother started using the name. Um, and so now with Jay Aston's Gene of Jesuit in the US, but at least people know it's us now. Yeah. Instead of, you know Going to see Gene of Jesuit and going to see him and was happens to be on stage. And it's made a very difficult struggle. As I said, I, you know, it's, I lost faith in music a bit and I stopped yeah. smoking and did all that thing, stopped drinking. Uh, and I got a job at Apple, you know, it's where I was teaching uh, sometimes staff, but often people to, uh, you know, to use Macs, you know, oh, wow. to use Logic or Photoshop and all those things. And a couple oh, of hours to teach them how to use GarageBand, for instance, or GarageBand, as you guys say. Yeah. yeah. Place and stuff, <laughs> take stuff, and show them how easy it's, it's part of a revolution, really. And it was the first big store Apple ad in Europe, and they kind of handpicked about 200 people to work there, and I was one of them. Oh, wow. So it was easy. Sony worked a few days a week, and it was uh, they paid well enough what I could continue writing and, uh, you know, get back on my feet and get my voice back. And, and another thing happened too. there was a guy early on that played with us who plays, he's a Belgian musician who's part of all, the uh, uh, kind of European techno music. Okay. Uh, from the 80s and early 90s, like, at, uh, 242 and stuff like that called oh, Jean-Marc yeah. Lieberman. Yes. And he, yeah, he's done lots of music and he just said, Jay, will you do, that? it just happened. And I was still smoking at that stage with him. He just happened to send me, um, He's, uh, an email says, "Oh Jay, I really like you to sing this Rolling Stones song." He doesn't know the Rolling Stones really. I love the song, so he's learned like, them. Okay. Um, and he sent me "Moonlight Mile," and I said to him, "Just you sing, you know." And um, and I did it with a, another early member of the band called Julianne Reagan, who I got into the band to play bass. And she was in a, she wanted to form a band called All About Eve, who can make pretty famous in Europe and the UK. Yeah. And I yeah. think they had kind of a, a minor out here with uh, Martha's Harbour. So uh, she's a beautiful singer and uh, she wanted to do it as well. So we did, did that song and that kind of made me go, oh, yeah. She loved it, and I got so many compliments from um, the people I played with, begging me to play guitar and etc. They liked it so much. So I was like, oh yeah, maybe. So I basically much dropped out. I didn't really have, same as Pete. I think we both just decided we'd have enough of this music business and um, just got out of it, you know. And then that got me back, woke me back up again, you know, and uh, got my interested in, in, in it. And then, uh, then with that, I remember uh, Pete sending me some stuff. Age so, work working, which I really liked, you know, and because um, we both come from different musical kind of uh, backgrounds, really. Okay. And so I went up to York, and um, you know, he produced the thing we called Ugly Bugs, and uh, so that got us uh, just writing all these songs. And the, I mean, a couple of those songs, James Stevenson came to see us live, and he just loved. He says we got to do some of these songs for a new Gene Loves Jazz album, and that's what in the Water, You know, and uh, so. Or, uh, we did How Do You Say Goodbye to Someone You Love. So how do you say goodbye to someone you love? How do you say goodbye to someone you love? And summertime and Dance Underwater from... From, the, from Ugly Bug songs, basically.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: So and that, so that's what I was doing. That whole period is, you know, just uh, like a phoenix rising out of the ashes, I <laughs> guess, I look at it, if you want to classical. You go classical.
0: But... And you've, you've funded Dance Underwater through uh, Pledge Music.
1: Yeah, well, How... as, as I said, we, we weren't that active, as we said, between Dance Underwater and, uh, and uh, Cornfield. Right. What, what happens is... Uh, We'd always get together. We'd always been doing art festivals in South America, especially in Portugal where we sold a lot of records. And that would happen once or twice a year. We'd always get together and everyone would get really hammered. We'd have a great time. <laughs> you know, we'd, we'd play like an hour and a half and do two or three encores and be like, oh my God, we're such a great band, we should make a record. And then everyone would get on the flights the next day, go back to New York or London or York uh, or me back to L.A. or wherever it was London time. And that'll be the last year till next year. Yeah. And then, one, about three years ago, um, I said, "Look, guys, you say this to me all the time. Let's let's try to do it properly. Let's fund it and get a, get Peter Walsh who did Desire and um, House, uh, House of Dolls and all those songs which we, which we loved. We loved working with him. And well, we do use a proper studio. And we used to uh, Barry Bar hello, studio. He's a brilliant innovative drummer from um, the Hotel." Uh, and he was awesome. He really helped us um, finish the album. He helped us on the budget and stuff. And we got the fans involved, and they luckily, Pledge Music was up and running then and uh, vibrant. Yeah. And uh, we were very lucky because, uh, but because my friend Marty Wilson Piper from the church and Olga from Skinny Puppy, they both suffered. Pledge Music going down before their projects were finished. Yeah, which a drag. But we were lucky. So the fans got involved. Some of them came to the studio, listened to the rough mixes, and. Uh, you know, it was just brilliant. You know, and uh, it was, uh, that so we managed to do it properly with a real studio, and it was expensive to do, but they came up with the bucks, and it was just brilliant.
0: That's fantastic. See, I like hearing that because uh, a, a friend of mine actually got screwed by Pledge Music too. Uh, mm, Kelly, so many. yeah, Kelly Scott from the band Failure. Oh man, they got Sorry to hear that. yeah, oh, they man. got they got screwed. By, actually, right. actually, yeah, they lost out on like sixty thousand dollars, and everybody else oh, lost God. out on the everything they pledged for.
1: They didn't get anything, no, sorry to hear that. No, the, the,
0: yeah. the good part is that they managed to record the album and get the, the files out actually through Pledge Music, but when it came time to oh do good. physical stuff,
1: oh they'd gone it's under. Goodness. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, Pledge Music, was a that was a debacle for a oh, lot of folks. it's,
1: it's terrible. Man. Yeah, Swerve
0: Driver oh. and Failure, I know they, they got screwed oh, big time. Oh, man, Swerve Driver
1: 2, yeah.
0: So between... The 2003 Thornfield sessions and uh, Dance Underwater. You actually appeared on stage with the Smashing Pumpkins. How did, how did that happen? Did they call you up and just invite you, or? or? Yeah,
1: it's a it's a weird one. That's um, I met Jeff Schroeder through Joel Patterson, uh, who's who plays drums with us a lot the last twenty years. Okay. Often, we uh, we switch drummers between Chris Bell uh, and Joel. It depends where we are, you know. But Joel's been doing a lot in the last few years. Uh, and, uh, I did a thing with Tommy Black who plays bass with Scott Weiland before he passed away, obviously. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and he was doing a solo thing and he asked me to play bass for it, which is an unusual thing to do. And I said, sure. And when I went down to Ares, um, Jeff Schroeder was there and he was, but he didn't last long because Jeff's an amazing guitar player, but he got a call from Billy Corgan to join the smashing pumpkins. Wow. So, and then, so that was my connection, uh, Joel knew Jeff and they were always in contact and I'd see Jeff on occasion, but Joel's friend, close friend of Joel's. And so one of these days that suddenly Jeff said, oh, oh, no, Joel called me and said, oh, Jeff is asking would you like to come to London, because would you like to kind of step up in London with smashing weapons and coming to town? And Billy's a big fan, and would you like to love him to do Steven, because he's got a Mellotron and he'd love to play along to it. Oh, man. I said, sure, yeah. oh, you know, that would be yeah. wonderful. And, um, yeah. So I got up and I, I said, could be good if, if James Stevenson could come too, and he loved that idea too. Cause, uh, but apparently, they used to come and see us when we played in Chicago in the early days of the Pumpkins, when they were just forming. Oh, yeah. And it was a weird moment because um, the Ginless was opening song in those days, it used to be Always a Flame. And Always a Flame, my brother would do the opening verse, and then I'd sing the bridges and, and the choruses. Okay. And apparently he was standing watching us with his band, with james err et etc et cetera and my brother started singing and and james uh, and Billy Corgan said that guy can't sing oh. then i <laughs> then I started to sing and he and he looked to his band and said that guy can sing and he said that in front of the whole London audience I oh, was wow. you know? so that was uh, a funny bitter moment for him, my brother I'm sure but yeah. it was uh, <laughs> so yeah so we got up and uh, it was already because people like my writing because I do all the writing on the covers and all the rest of genius Jezebel's stuff you know Yeah. I often do I don't always do it sometimes I don't like to go put all my stuff all things and <laughs> he, I'd, I'd forget I hadn't sang Stephen for such a long time I wrote all the lyrics so he could know them as well so he could sing along with it too and uh, as soon as as James says as soon as I left the stage he picked up <laughs> picked up the lyrics from his pocket <laughs> oh wow because so, people like like the way I write you know so yeah, so they collect it. So oh, yeah. And, so.
0: you know, if, if being a fan of a band, if, if that's, you know, that's something that I would want as well. You know, even if I'm yeah, on sure. stage, you know, I'm definitely true. T- yeah, picking that true. up as a souvenir.
1: That's yeah, true enough. It's true. It's true. If and, Bob Dylan was to give me some of his handle lyrics, I'd be quite happy.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny because I like, can definitely hear your influence, especially on songs like Stephen, in mm-hmm. some of the Pumpkins' work, especially the earlier work.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. I think Immigrant Album is a big influence on in a lot of those bands. So yeah. I have heard that from several bands of that. That year, that that year, the or just all of us. Yeah, there are a lot. Of, quite a few of them have, have said to me, "Oh, we love you know." love that album so yeah that's good
0: that yeah it, it's it's funny because uh, that was actually going to be the next question is that do, do you get that a lot you know n- maybe newer bands yeah, saying as, you know, as we're, we're getting points.
1: old and now you know as, as i get into my late 20s you know I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no i, I, I know mean we've had i'm things from lady gaga and obviously uh loads, loads of people who said it much to so like i mean the guy that i'm with the bass player from um, weird enough uh the name of the is terrible. So, you know, so many bands, uh, it's
0: tough in your late 20s, man. Yeah,
1: it some I, I, I 70s band, this <laughs> was what I'm gonna say. Well, the name of the band with the not uh, Sparks, get liked us a lot. They went in print and said how much they liked us. Oh, cool, which is cool. Obviously, uh, of My House is a classic. Now, um, um, uh, well, speaking of my father, came they got drunk with us on the bus from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, very famous band brilliant band brilliant <laughs> live band <laughs> no American band um, Cheap Trick Cheap Cheapest Trick oh uh, yeah yes. oh wow. so yeah. the bass player came on It's just they just loved us it's funny because I went to see um, I didn't Cheap Trick weren't that big in England you know, uh, I Want You to Want Me was a big hit for them yeah but they wouldn't like go over here but I remember being in the late 80s or early 90s seeing Simple Minds Susan the Banshees and Cheap Trick, a Cheap Trick was phenomenal, by far the best live band, you know. Yeah. I was quite amazed, quite amazed, but as what a great live band they were, you know. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: a- now, when you guys, early on, you guys did a, a like we were, had a, talked about a little bit early in this show, was uh doing some session, uh, a session with John Cale. Which, right. Now, I read that some of the Gene uh, Loves Jezebel stuff was destroyed in that, 2008 fire at Universal.
1: So I heard, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Was, yeah. Uh, was that stuff included in that? Because that, that's never been released, has it?
1: No, it never has. I should imagine. I think tapes have gone out there where we, we put tapes out because we had it on cassettes, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, no, I think for more, because you're the second person to tell me, I think that yeah, all that's been destroyed because Beggars was our labor in England, G- generally didn't make safety copies, so uh. that, been, that, would, that would be the end of that. That's. But this yeah That's but it, I mean it was an interesting session I mean to be honest, you, um I mean John Kae's a legend he's from Wales as well obviously and it was for us it was a chance to go to New York and hang out with a member the Velvet Land we'd never been on an airplane before
2: oh, wow. been to
1: New York so um, so that was just great fun you know and it was I mean very over the top and very rock and roll excessive as you can imagine uh from that period I mean I'm not a drug guy or anything but believe me that was it was a time when you couldn't avoid just anything, so uh, so we didn't get too much recording. I didn't do any vocals, I ended up playing bass because the bass player uh missed the session because the flight got cancelled, got to go to Philadelphia and he couldn't get to New York on oh, time. And, um, I didn't do any vocals, uh, and so it's an interesting session, but it was crazy. We were staying in the Iroquois Hotel, which at that time was uh, the rock and roll hotel, but it was very much Cockroach City. Oh,
0: gee. Um, um,
1: <laughs> And filthy, and uh, you know, we didn't know anything about America. And this was New York. We look at TV, and the signal was terrible because of all the high buildings we didn't know that. All the cars, and the pizzas were 10 times the size of ours. And you know, <laughs> MTV was on, and Van Halen were on it. And it was like, uh, oh, was, gosh, we go, would go to clubs, illegal clubs, at five in the morning that looked like totally, you know, <laughs> state of the art premises, you know what I mean? Oh, my <laughs> god. An experience, you know. So the recording was probably secondary to all that. To Sarah, introduction to the US. Okay,
0: I'll I'll wrap this up because I don't want to keep you guys too. Long. I know I've, I've kept you quite a while already. So uh Dance Under Water came out in 2017, right? Mm. Is there new music on the way?
1: Oh, I write every day, you know. Pete writes every day. We, people, we, we're the kind of band. we literally I can strum it uh, and, and sing a, a few notes somewhere away, you know. So yeah i mean we, we we plan on doing something uh, at the minute obviously we're touring um and i'm just it and theory around the u s after this once i finish this tour in mid september i'll be going mid october to mid november on my own and okay. so and so we are probably i we're, we're touring next year in europe so you know we'll hopefully maybe we can do something this spring hopefully we'll see we'll have to find a way of funding it of course and, but there'll there'll be a way i'm sure
0: that would be fantastic i know Fans are gonna love it. I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully, we can get something going and, and not have a pledge music debacle.
1: <laughs> Hope not. Yeah. No, we're thinking of some good. T- I'm mean, gonna play some acoustic scenes of my own at the minute, and uh, I've got them you, you know, you marks for the for the band as well, and people really like them. So um, just acoustically, you know, I did a, a gig opening for a band called Balarm and the Angel in in London. It was fantastic, and I played all new songs, and uh, one or two of them were people. Like, oh my God, you got to do that song. So. Um, that's scene you know cool cool so you have all a- the gigs so far have been so fantastic it's amazing we're playing in such a nice cool places it's, hey, it's been brilliant oh. you oh
0: know? so, yeah and you're I getting a great crowd participation world. too
1: yeah yeah well we give them 100% I mean my, my solo stuff is introverted and all, all the rest of it my the jazz stuff for me is all about high energy you know oh yeah just getting, like, getting out of your skin and leaving your body and just you know just enjoying it you know it's mm-hmm. just a lot like that yeah
0: where can people follow you guys on social media and, and find out some tour dates and, and what's going on with the band?
1: Yeah, well, uk. Of course, don't go to the .com, because that's my brother's. So okay. Steal. Um, or on FaceTime, GenealiveJazebel with Jay Aston. Twitter, I'm J underscore Aston, at j Aston. Look for James Stevenson. Just look for GenealiveJazebel with Jay Aston, and you'll find us here. So that in Google and, and everything will come up
0: awesome awesome Jay thank you so much for your thank time you Mark. really appreciate oh, it
1: thanks thanks, Dave really appreciate it Mark we'll, I love the facts you knew a lot about us that helps a lot